0: America's number one show on pop culture and politics this is the Michael Medved show
1: and another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth a great day the beginning of a great week there are two serious candidates for president who are going to be announcing this week one of them already did Uh, that was Tim Scott the senator from South Carolina and uh, Ron DeSantis Despite all the abuse he has taken from people on the left and from President Trump, Ron DeSantis is scheduled to announce his candidacy for president on Wednesday. So what is the shape of the GOP race? And is Michael Goodwin right over at the New York Post saying that no Republican can win, that basically uh, if they nominate Trump, there's no chance of winning. And if they don't nominate Trump, Trump will go ahead and do a third party movement or at least urge his followers not to vote and destroy the gop chances what do you think about that juan williams juan williams of course a uh, great honor to have him joining the show he is a contributor to fox news a best uh, selling uh, author most recently of what the hell do you have to lose a former writer for the washington post Uh, Juan, first of all, did you see or watch uh, Senator Scott's announcement of candidacy this morning?
2: Yes, I saw much of it. I can't say I saw the whole thing.
1: Right. Uh, And uh, I did. And uh, what did you think?
2: You know, it's consistent with a very appealing personality. I mean, it's upbeat. I find him personally very likable, even charming at times, Uh, sort of disarming in his... Personality, given that he's a prominent American politician he's a very his story is terrific and you know when he speaks about you know going for not victimhood but victory you know and going for glory not grievance I you know it just appeals to something within me
1: isn't that terrific because I have the same same thing exactly he, he says uh, greatness not grievance and uh, and I I love that. And uh, the the thing about what struck me was that he is one of those politicians who really was clearly enjoying himself. Uh, when you watch DeSantis giving a speech, he's kind of gritting his teeth. He doesn't he doesn't get a kick out of it. and and. and Trump is often so angry that it's tough to see that uh, he's really enjoying it. But this was a guy who wanted to be there and was really thrilled and excited about his privilege of being there, didn't you think?
2: Well, I do, and I, you know, so, look, all politicians are ambitious. Let's not have any uh, doubt about that, Michael. The question is, You know, how does it interpret it and how do they come across to you, to me, to the American people? Uh, Maybe not you and me in that sense, American people who are not political analysts, who are not engaged 100% of the time in trying to understand our politics. And I think he comes across as an authentic voice, uh, you know, someone who says, you know, he comes up from poverty and he knows of racial discrimination, but he still sees in America a positive vision. So that's quite Reagan-esque. I think you're going to see, uh, you know, the governor of Virginia Youngkin make the same type of appeal, that it's time to get the Republican Party out of the Donald Trump business of carnage in America and dark and gloom and grievance and division. Um, and they're going to say, you know, the way forward is much more positive and optimistic and, again, play on the Reagan morning in America scene.
1: Yeah, or, or the whole idea, of the uh, Al Smith, who was uh, the candidate in 1928 for the Republican Party, right before FDR, he was known as the happy warrior. And uh, that positivity about politics is something that seems sorely missing in our country. Uh, right now, what do you think, if, if you were advising Tim Scott, Uh, What do you think is his best way to move the needle and to make a a meaningful challenge uh, uh, to Trump and to DeSantis, the two front-runners on the GOP side?
2: Well, I mean, I think all Republicans are struggling to figure out a way to deal with Trump, and they have not... they have not... Located answer Uh, You know, Trump continues to attack them But they don't know how to attack him And I think the reason for that, Michael Is they fear him They know that he will not only give you a nickname He'll then start bullying and demeaning you And it will stick And the media will repeat it And suddenly, you know, you are minimized Diminished in the public mind Uh, Just ask, you know, low-energy Jeb Just ask, you know, Lion Ted And uh, I can go on but they don't know how to deal with him. And in terms of dealing with DeSantis, DeSantis has had so many stumbles out of the block. I mean, last week with Disney, but before that with you know his sort of vacillating on Ukraine and even turning off some GOP major donors, um, and of course the abortion bill, the gun bill. It's it, it, It's not been a good start for him. Uh so all he has to do is point out as you did that, you know, DeSantis doesn't look like he's into it. He certainly lacks charisma. Um, and then say, you know, here I am and I have some charisma and I have some energy and positivity. Now does where does that take him versus Trump, gloom and doom? I don't know that it works with the Republican Party of today because I think the Republican Party today, at least as we speak here, just before Memorial Day in 2023, remains the party of Trump and of doom and gloom and grievance.
1: And uh, uh, <laughs> can, can a party like that win?
2: You mean the Trump play?
1: Yeah, I mean, in other words, if it remains a party of doom and gloom and grief, there's not a big history of great success with that. I mean, rem- <laughs> I mean. Good
2: point. I would agree 100%. But. You'd have to say that if you look at the polls right now, you look at the polls, and even even though Trump lost the popular vote in 2020, and he lost the 2018 midterms, and he lost the popular vote in 16, you'd have to say, but wait a second, he is dominant in the Republican Party at this moment. I, I am not a fan, uh, just to be very clear, but even in terms of my <laughs> political analysis, I would have to say, I think every poll I see indicates that he has like a 30 or 40% lead on the others who want to get in this race. Now, the difference at this moment is that you see a bunch of people jumping into the race. And I think previously they were too afraid to even get in the race, but now Tim Scott's getting in. Glenn Youngkin may get in. We know DeSantis is getting in. Uh, Mike Pence may get in. Nikki Haley's already in. So it's a lot of people who have decided, you know, maybe Trump is going to get in trouble with the law and be so hamstrung that he can't run, or maybe something else will happen that the voters decide, you know what, I I don't want all this baggage. I want to get back to winning. To your point, Michael, this guy's a loser. Will that logic appeal to Republican voters at some point? At this juncture, though, just to be very clear and honest with you and the audience, that's not what the polls indicate.
1: No, the polls indicate a big lead for Trump, but then again, he's so much better known. I think the, the, the really fascinating thing is that they say that Trump has about 70% support. Generally, people in the Republican Party, 70% say they approve of Trump. They admire Trump. But the fact is that's 30% of Republicans who don't. And if he only wins 70% of the Republican vote... There is no way to win the presidency, Uh, just not possible because he's not going to get a big percentage of Democrats or independents. Uh, We uh, such a pleasure to have uh, on this historic day with uh, Tim Scott announcing his candidacy, to have Juan Williams with us, you can read his most recent columns. Uh, that are posted up at our website at michaelmedved.com. And we will be right back with more on the shape of the race coming up.
0: The Michael Medved Show, all across America. This is The Michael Medved Show. And today, I'm living proof that America is the land of opportunity and not a land of oppression.
1: Then was uh, Senator Tim Scott, Republican of South Carolina. He was announcing his candidacy this morning at Charleston Southern University in uh, North Charleston, which is his hometown, Tim Scott's, in South Carolina. He uh, filed his federal election paperwork, transitioning his exploratory committee into a full-blown presidential campaign committee. He did that Friday, and he is pitching himself as the Republican remedy to grievance politics in America and blaming politicians on both sides of the aisle for hooking voters on what he calls the drug of victimhood and the narcotic of despair. And that drug of victimhood and the narcotic of despair fits in perfectly. And why both parties, I think, are doing such a terrible job of handling uh, reaching some agreement so that we can raise the debt ceiling and avoid a financial crisis that will cost America literally trillions of dollars in uh, lost wealth. Uh, the uh, the speech that, that Tim delivered this morning uh, without visibly following a teleprompter, it, it didn't seem like it was a red speech, but it was obviously very carefully prepared. Uh, he said, uh, every single one of us are here because of an American journey where there were obstacles that became opportunities. Nice. Appropriate. And he also said, I'm the candidate the far left fears the most. When I cut your taxes, they called me a prop. When I refunded the police, they called me a token. When I pushed back on President Biden, they even called me the N-word. I disrupt their narrative. I threaten their control. The truth of my life disrupts their lies. And he also said this, of course, echoing Dr. King. Listen.
0: For those of you who wonder if it's possible for a broken kid and a broken home to rise beyond their circumstances, the answer is yes. And for those of you who wonder If America is a racist country, take a look at how people come together. All of God's people come together. Black ones and white ones, and red ones and brown ones working together. Because love, unconditional love, binds hearts together. We are not defined by the color of our skin. We are defined by the content of our character, And if anyone tells you
1: anything different, they're a lion. There was a comment on his announcement. And actually, I was surprised at how positive and and generous the comment was from Donald J. Trump. Now, he may look at the polls and see that uh, Tim Scott right there is in the low double digits. I think he's had 2% support. I mean, Mike Pence is uh, uh, running third in this race. And serious candidates like Mike Pence and Nikki Haley, another South Carolinian, and and Tim Scott just have not registered in the polls yet. So I guess Trump could afford to be generous. But he uh, said on Truth Social, good luck to Senator Tim Scott in entering the Republican presidential primary race. He... uh, uh, as I mentioned, he posted that on Truth Social. He said it it is rapidly loading up with lots of people, and Tim is a big step up from Ron De Santamonius, who was totally unelectable. Uh, Trump noted that uh, he and Scott had worked together to establish opportunity zones, an investment incentive included in the 2017 tax cut legislation uh, that was passed by Republicans under the leadership of Paul Ryan and then signed into law by Trump. Um, Tim Scott, of course, has a virtue of having served in both houses of Congress, and in both houses of Congress he was extremely uh, generously admired by his colleagues. The uh, Senate Minority Whip, John Thune, uh, endorsed Tim Scott for president and uh, a um, this uh, campaign is going to continue he's going from Charleston which of course is the site of one of the early primaries It's the first Democratic primary and like the third Republican primary but he's going to be going to the first two Republican primary states Iowa and New Hampshire uh, soon to try to advance his campaign. Uh, the, um, the ongoing rate of uh, what, what is happening in, in terms of the Republican candidates and uh, how they hit one another and, and how this goes on, what's difficult about all of this, of course, is, is this is right in the midst of the debt ceiling crisis. But uh, you have so many people who are getting ready to jump in, and why is that? I, I actually believe it's, it's two factors. One is that uh, they see the tremendous vulnerability of Joe Biden. Uh, there is a new AP NORC poll, National Opinion Research Center poll, and it's just astonishing. As he embarks on his reelection campaign, 33 percent of american adults say they approve of joe biden's handling of the economy and only 24 percent say national economic conditions are in good shape according to this new poll and uh public approval of biden's handling of the economy remains low in a time of high inflation a difficult housing market and concerns about a potential u.s government debt default American opinion is also gloomy about Biden's efforts on gun policy and immigration, with only 31 percent saying they approve of the president's performance on those hot button issues. Overall, 40 percent say they approve of the way Biden is doing his job, similar to where his approval rating has stood for much of the past year and a half. Uh, That makes him highly beatable. And. I think when people are looking at Trump, and the reason that you all of a sudden have people like Doug Bergen, who is the uh, uh, governor of North Dakota, who is uh, apparently about to jump into the race, and he's a very impressive guy, even though because he's governor of North Dakota, no one's ever heard of him. Asa Hutchinson, the former governor of Arkansas, two terms has already announced. Chris Sununu is about to announce, and uh, and one of the things that he has talked about is how important the debates are going to be, and he's longing to get into the debates. He said concerning Trump's plans to skip the early primary debates, quote, you cannot stand in front of Americans and say I'm a fighter.
0: The Michael Mendon Show.
1: And no, I don't think that the NAACP is going to be successful in preventing tourists from visiting Florida. Uh, nor do I think, by the way, that uh, uh, Governor DeSantis is going to be successful in getting tourists to stop visiting Disney World or Disneyland, for that matter. People uh, are pretty serious about taking whatever funds they've been able to save up, and if you have a particular vacation you want to take, well, by golly, you're going to take it. And politics wouldn't and shouldn't interfere. And that also goes to uh, soccer fans. Uh, The World Cup 2026 fans have been told, don't travel to the USA in order to keep yourself safe from mass shootings and killing sprees. Uh, Some nations hoping to participate in the 2026 FIFA World Cup have issued a stark warning to fans over travel to America due to lax gun laws, as they see them, and the threat of killing sprees. Uh, A number of governments have raised concerns after the steep rise of mass shootings in the country and have issued advice to would-be tourists, with one South American nation even going so far as to recommend that fans don't travel. Uh, I don't think that they're going to have any more success than the attempts to boycott uh, Florida. Uh, Meanwhile, in another part of the world... uh, This is an amazing story, and I must say I have mixed feelings. It it sounds so extreme, but then when you hear the details, maybe it's not quite as bizarre as it seems. The headline says, Singapore, again, applies the death penalty for marijuana. Okay, let me be very clear here. I am not suggesting that the United States a, adopt the death penalty for weed. That's <laughs> only going to work in the United States. However, what is going on in, in Singapore is thought-provoking and real, because Singapore has one of the the safest climates, the lowest crime rates in the world. And uh, what they report is uh, dispatch by John Yoon, is Singapore has hanged a man for trafficking less than 3.5 pounds of marijuana its second execution in three weeks for a crime that carries a much lighter sentence in most of the rest of the world. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you've been dealing 3.5 pounds of marijuana in California, you don't, you don't, I mean, you get a medal, right? That's considered to be admirable. They're promoting Big Pot. Uh, court documents show that a man named Muhammad Faisal bin Maud Sharif was convicted and sentenced to death in 2019 for possessing about 1.6 kilograms, or 3.4 pounds, of cannabis. Last month, Singapore hanged another man who was convicted of conspiring to traffic about 2 pounds of cannabis. Human rights groups condemned both punishments, as grossly excessive, but Singapore has long taken a harsh stance toward drugs of all kinds, showing little flexibility. Uh, since 1975, the country has mandated the death penalty for people convicted of drug, tra- drug trafficking. In most cases, the death penalty is given for trafficking more than 500 grams of cannabis, 250 grams of methamphetamine, 30 grams of cocaine, or 15 grams of heroin. Most death row inmates in Singapore are tied to drug crimes. Out of 54 people awaiting execution in Singapore, 51 out of the 54 are for drug-related offenses. The uh, remaining three are for murders. Last year, Singapore executed 11 people for drug-related crimes. Only five other countries did so. China, Iran, North Korea... Saudi Arabia, and Vietnam. Death sentences linked to drug offenses in Singapore have prompted protests by human rights groups in 2021. Protesters urged the country to halt the execution of a man convicted of smuggling heroin, arguing he should be spared because he had a mental disability. He was executed in April, 2022. The argument to abolish the death penalty for drug crimes has gained no traction in Singapore. Uh, no, the public is still largely pro-death penalty, uh, a human rights activist said, uh, adding that the opposition to is hesitant to touch the issue. It's too much of a hot potato for them. In other words, one of the things that... Uh, We clearly need to deal with in the United States is being serious about the consequences of of drugs and the heavy trade in drugs and the 100,000 people a year who die of fentanyl overdoses. Uh, Do you believe that if we had more serious penalties for trading, for dealing in fentanyl and would imprison people, take the death penalty away for a moment, but just uh, say life imprisonment for a very, very dangerous, devastating drug and for people who are major dealers in it, uh, would that uh, help to reduce the level of fentanyl distribution? Well, yeah. Uh, It seems to me fairly obvious. And this brings up uh, the sweet smell of no success. You've heard of the sweet smell of success? There's the sweet smell of no success. And um, there's a piece by Edward Rothstein in the Wall Street Journal It says failure is definitely an option. It can even be a requirement, at least at the exhibition space in Brooklyn's Industry City. Here you can see surviving examples of more than 150 failed products or descriptions and videos. Some are so bizarre, a hollow golf club, which was designed for male urination between swings, or so outlandish, a rigid plastic rejuvenating mask studded with electrodes that they never had a chance. Some might have been plausible if only they had made economic sense. How about Howard Hughes airplane designed to carry heavy World War II weaponry made out of birch and mocked as the spruce goose. We see a photograph of the one plane that was completed way too late in 1947, costing about $250 million in today's dollars. Such are the offerings at the Museum of Failure. We need to do a listener tour, which is really a a world-traveling exhibition that began in Helsingborg, Sweden. Its ever-expanding terrain embraces monumental icons like RMS Titanic, the Fort Edsel, and New Coke. But it also offers more creepy examples, as the museum puts it, like Mattel's mid-1970s version of Barbie's younger sister Skipper. When you raise her arm, her breasts grow. I'm not sure how that works anatomically. The museum is the creation of Samuel West, a Swedish clinical psychologist, of course, and a consultant in innovation. Uh, It's uh, original... 1917, 2017, pardon me, bricks and mortar home closed, but that led to the touring show, which uh, ultimately failed to fail in uh, Vienna, Amsterdam, Jeddah, London, Copenhagen, Milan, Seoul, Paris, and Los Angeles. It seems to be just as unsuccessful at failing in Brooklyn. Its stay has been extended to June 18th. Uh, I'm sure there are some people out there who would love to the Museum of Failure. Uh, I don't know if it includes politicians, but of course there are a number of people to uh, to, to nominate. Uh, what happens? Uh, well, what happens... And on The Michael Medved Show, uh, there's a question that is asked over at the uh, hotline, and it's a very important question, and there's a piece by Kirk Bado, which um, basically asks a question, does the buck stop with Biden? That of course is a reference to a famous uh, sign that Harry Truman had on his desk when he was president of the United States, starting in 1945. And it just said, the buck stops here. And uh, because of the term passing the buck, you can't pass the buck beyond the president. He's ultimately responsible. Does the buck stop with Biden, asked Kirk Beto. Uh, That's the question on political strategist minds with less than eight business days left to raise the debt ceiling and avoid default. Negotiations between the White House and Republican leaders will continue again today, but operatives in both parties are revving up the spin machine and pointing fingers if X day passes without a deal as leaders continue to butt heads. The Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee already launched a microsite, which is criticizing House Republican spending plan in what could be a preview of Democrats' offensive strategy in the months to come. On the other side of the aisle, the GOP-aligned American Action Network launched $250,000 ad buy last week, criticizing Biden for playing political games with the debt. But no matter who is ultimately found to be at fault, if a deal isn't finalized, the consequences of a default will be felt well beyond the ballot box paychecks could start to bounce essential services will be stalled and the global economy might enter a free fall a part of uh what they talk about over the washington post is uh, so many countries have uh, basically invested in american treasuries and in dollars as the basis for the whole economic system in the world, and if all of a sudden we are defaulting on our on our debt, uh, not only will it greatly increase the amount of money we have to spend just to service the existing national debt, because the interest rates are going up. When interest rates go up, when all of a sudden you're looking at uh, 6.9% is the mortgage rate apparently in Texas now. Uh, really? And if all of those rates go up, that is literally billions and billions of extra dollars American taxpayers will have to pay at a time when America's influence and power, economic power abroad, will be greatly undermined, which is one of the reasons that um, I think of, of the many controversial things President Trump said in that town hall meeting in new hampshire the most controversial is he said oh go ahead they should default uh we should uh, go ahead and default rather than reaching some agreement and avoiding this disaster it's one of the reasons that senator bill cassidy of uh, louisiana uh, was on he's republican of course conservative republican he was on with jake tapper on cnn and uh, gave his opinion of Trump's chances in the general election this is clip 17
0: well a couple things I don't think Trump can win a de- general election but that's a nice way for him to diss people like uh, Tim Scott who's a pretty formidable candidate uh, so so you just have to take this as a competitor trying to diss others on the other hand during in the last election cycle we saw that whom in all the
1: swing states almost all uh, Georgia Pennsylvania Nevada and Arizona that Trump's the, the, the candidates for Senate that Trump endorsed all lost. If you had taken the votes that went to other Republicans and put them together, those Republicans would have won. So I think the president's kind of high-profile endorsement of those candidates actually hurt those candidates, uh, at least in the general election. So if passed his prologue, that means President Trump is going to have a hard time in
0: those swing states, which means that he cannot win a general election.
1: And uh, again, the uh, it, you have to look at the swing states that will decide the fate of this election because Trump carried nearly all of them in 2016, narrowly, but he did. He, he carried Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Arizona and Georgia, and that was fine. Now, all those states he lost this last time. So how does it go back uh ron DeSantis commented on trump while he was up in new hampshire and uh here is what ron DeSantis had to say uh listen clip 20.
2: it's easy to be a front runner it's easy to go out and take positions that are really popular at the time it's harder to dig in and really cut against the grain not going to be easy uh but i honestly believe that uh that we have an opportunity to right the ship uh and to get this whole country going
1: Okay, and uh, we do need to get this whole country going, and it's it's so much more important than uh, than some of the I don't know minor political squabbles about nothing uh, because what's at stake now, the uh, Washington Post piece, they quote. Uh, an associate professor of finance at Brandeis University named uh, Daniel Bergstresser, saying that if we have a default, it would erode global confidence in our political system because part of our standing in the world is based on international confidence that our political system is basically functional. And if we can't pay our bills, this would show our system isn't. Uh, The economists fear that a a default by the United States would dramatically increase, increase the ranks of the countries drowning in debt, like Sri Lanka and Pakistan. With a potential rise in protests and global geopolitical instability, the Federal Reserve's push to raise interest rates over the past year to curb inflation has already eroded the value of U.S. bond holdings for many nations. And according uh, to the Council on Foreign Relations, more than half of the nation's foreign currency reserves are held in U.S. dollars, roughly three times as much as any other country. And if all of a sudden the dollar is weak, uh, what's at stake? Well, what's at stake is disaster. And disaster for an economic system that is celebrated in a new movie and a spectacularly satisfying new movie about uh, two subjects that may not interest you, but you'll like the film anyway. Uh, Just two subjects, basketball and athletic shoes. The movie, Air, uh, directed by Ben Affleck and starring Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Listen.
2: Now it's time for MedBed's Entertainment Minute.
1: Matt Damon and Ben Affleck co-star in The Absorbing True Story from 1984 about an upstart athletic shoe company that manages to beat the odds and change the world. It's called Air. Now available for streaming on Amazon Prime.
0: I need the greatest basketball shoe that's ever been made. What's the plan? We build a shoe line around just him. Who's the player? Michael Jordan. Oh, man. Here we go.
1: Yeah, and you'll want to go along for the ride because this intensely watchable, brilliantly acted movie, which also includes outstanding performances, can connect even with people who don't think they care about footwear or basketball. Ben Affleck also does a brilliant job as director, though Matt Damon's often tormented performance as the driving force behind Air Jordans makes for the emotional center of the movie. Rated R for language, three stars for Air, which takes flight and on the Michael Medved show talking about uh, taking flight or lighter than air uh, one of the heaviest questions people can confront is does God exist now it used to be that more than 90% of Americans would say a definite yes they believed in God there's now a, a new poll publicized in the hill that says only half of Americans say God definitely exists. So what is happening, and what does it mean, and what are the factors that have driven so many people to abandon even private faith? We will get to that next time. Also, Salon has a uh, headline that says, the ambitious Republican plot to take it all down. Anybody really believe that the Republican Party is organized, united enough to plot anything together? We'll talk about it. And uh, what happens when Target decides to hire a transgendered Satanist to design their pride merchandise? We'll talk about that and Whoopi Goldberg insulting Tim Scott as having Clarence Thomas syndrome. What does that mean? We'll figure it all out next time in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth.